Welcome to the Photography Q&A podcast. Hey, how's it going? I'm Andy Jones and this is episode 23 of the Photography Q&A podcast. Now, before I get started with this week's question, I want to mention the photo I talked about in episode 21 taken by Mary Jane. I identified that the problem was a heavily backlit subject and the wrong metering mode was being used. Anyway, she posted another photo after getting the advice and she's posted it in the Facebook group and this time it's well lit and perfectly exposed. It really is a nice image. It's very impressive. Check it out. There's a link in the show notes uh, and while you're there, you can join the group as well and ask questions or like things. Okay, so... The question this week comes from Kayla in West Virginia, and it is, how do you find locations? Well, just like in real estate, it's location, location, location. When a customer contacts you for any type of shoot, you need to have a few places that you can use. These can be a local park or trails or a campground at the side of a lake. I used to use a local farm. He had a really nice red barn. And I used to get permission off him to go up every so often. I didn't go very often. I didn't do it every week. But, you know, certain shoots you wanted to use it. So not all photo shoots need to be beautiful landscape backgrounds. If you live in a mountainous region, though, somewhere like the Rockies, you're going to make full use of the mountains as a backdrop. I know I would. And it's incredible up there. I've been once and I loved it. But if you don't have mountains as your backdrop, you can use a local park, a trail, like I say, lakefront whatever's available in town a bridge anything just make sure that when you choose a spot it has no distractions there are no cars in the background there's no people walking by waving there's no hydro poles there's no you know anything that doesn't fit in with the image don't shoot there find somewhere else that's quieter and you can control what's happening so some customers like a different kind of image And this might be you as a photographer. If your thing is a more industrial look, uh, city centre, downtown look, then use those places for your backdrops. Like if if you've got a reputation shooting downtown against walls that have got graffiti on them, those are the places that you're going to go. So make sure that you pick locations that match the style that you want to put out. It's no good if you're a city centre photographer And someone says, oh, we want some pictures down by the lake. It might not be for you. Like, do them, but maybe don't post them on your portfolio. Remember, what you put in your portfolio is what is going to attract people to you. If you don't like shooting family photos in a picnic area, don't do them. Or if you do them, don't show them other people. So how many locations do you need? There's not really a, a set number. You'll get more the longer you're in photography. But just starting off, at minimum two or three, two to three. The main reason is it gives you more variation. When people look at your portfolio and you've only got one or two different spots that you take pictures, all your images are going to look the same. And if they don't like the look of where it's being taken, you're not giving them much choice, basically. So you need more variation. The longer you work as a photographer, though, the more locations you're going to get. You will find yourself driving down the road and just glancing around thinking, oh, that's a nice spot. Oh, that's a nice spot. What I used to do was if I spotted something that I thought might be okay, I would stop, get out of the car, take a picture of it, and go on my way. And I had a file just full of these pictures. And you get to use them eventually and replace other ones that you thought were the best possible. You'll find other ones while you're just driving around. If you're shooting weddings, 
you still need to have a few locations. You would think that, you know, they're getting married, you're going to be taking pictures at the church, at the home when they're getting ready, but 99% of them want to go somewhere. They'll pick somewhere or ask you if you know of anywhere. And I always used to have a few, especially here in Kingston. I always had two or three good ones for weddings I always used to go to. Now, the other thing is other photographers do the same. And here in Canada, everyone gets married on a Saturday. There's very few midweek weddings. So you choose a good spot and you arrive and there's two other wedding parties there. It's like you're in a lineup. It's, It's not the best thing. So you always need another spot that you can just jump in the car and they'll take off to. So what if the client wants a new location that you've never used before? If they have the heart set on it and you haven't used it, you need to check it out. You can obviously just turn up and say, okay, I'll meet you there and you've never been there before and hope it works out. But that's not the way to go. If you're going to shoot, you want to know everything inside out. You don't want to be worried about anything. So go for a drive before the shoot. Not this a day of, you know, maybe a couple of days before. Take a drive, spend 10 minutes just planning it out. Look around the where you're going to shoot. Know any distractions and dismiss that little spot. If there's a distraction there, like, a, you know, you can see through the trees and there's a parking lot behind, don't use that spot. Find somewhere else with a nicer background. So take a drive out, spend 10 minutes planning it out. Make sure there's no distractions and you'll get better results for your customers and your customers will love you for it. On a few occasions, I have had brides tell me about a location and I've carried on using them for other shoots later on. So how do you find locations? A lot of photographers say that Google Maps, or it used to be Google Earth, is their best friend. And I think that it's it's true for identifying a rough area, you know, for finding a park or a trail, especially if you're new to an area and you, you need to find things. But you still need to get to those places and find out where the spots are that are the best like actually identify which trees which view anything that's not got distractions is best for your shoots so I I used to go to a local park where I used to use a couple of very large trees and they were great for shoots in all seasons especially fall it was just amazing the way the roots were and everything and I found this spot just by walking the dog I went for a walk with the dog no no wasn't even thinking about searching for a new spot and there it was In the trees, in a little clearing, it was excellent. I hadn't seen anyone else take pictures there until after I did, and then another couple of guys. I don't know whether they were checking my website out or what, but anyway, you really need to get out and spend some time walking around for potential spots. So what else do you need to know? All right, so as a photographer, you need to know in advance what time the sun sets and what the light is going to be like at the time of the shoot, meaning the angle of the sun. You can turn up for a shoot, and the sun is low in the sky in fall, say, and the shadows are really long. That isn't ideal. There you really need to be using some off-camera flash to counteract it, which complicates matters a little bit. Well, quite a lot, actually. But knowing that what time the sun sets is also important. I once had to explain to a bride who told me that she wanted to get married six months later in October. She told me what time the wedding was going to be. It was going to be an afternoon wedding. They were going to do this, this and this, and I want you to take photographs at 6.30. Now, at the end of October, I think it was around the 25th, something like that, where we were doing the shoot, the sun sets at around 6pm. So I had to explain to her, no, I'm sorry, I can't do that at 6.30 because we need like an hour and a half minimum for the size of the party. Everything was blacked out. You wouldn't be able to even use flash. 
to, it was crazy. And she, she insisted that we were going to do it at that time. And I just had to say, well, you're going to have to find someone else. Anyway, she got back to me a few weeks later and they'd moved the wedding to the morning so that we could do photos in the afternoon. I think it must have just, it took a little while to sink in that, you know. Anyway, so you need to know the best times to do shoots at all your locations. Now, the way to do this is just get a notepad and keep it for the first few years. And you'll you'll just keep adding to it and adding to it. But eventually it'll all be in your head and you'll know. But if you've got a really good place every month, just turn up at, you know, find out what time sunset is and just go and see what the shadows are like and is it still viable there. It's good to know these things. I know it's a little bit over the top, but it works. If you go there fully prepared, you know where the shadows are going to be. You can know, you know that you, certain spots you can't use because the shadows will be absolutely brutal. So if you're going to do a portrait session, think about this. When you use a shallow depth of field the image will have a bokeh, a blurry background. So if you pull your subject or subjects away from the background, instead of standing up against the wall of a barn, if you pull them away from that barn 20 feet and do a shot, you move towards them and do like a head and shoulders shot, that background is going to be total blur. You'll hardly be able to tell that it's a barn. So you're just using the, the colour of the barn as your backdrop. It's like putting a, a backdrop cloth on a stand behind them. So think about using shallow depth of fields at certain times of year. And like in fall, where all the colours of the leaves, they're all beautiful and that russet golden brown. Just think about using just the colour and not being able to identify the leaves way back behind them. It's a different way of going about it, but it, you can get some beautiful pictures. And it'll allow you to shoot in a less ideal location and still get amazing results. So I hope that helped. What else have we got? Let's see. So I want to thank Kayla for the question. Check out the Facebook group. Join it and check out Mary Jane's new picture of the Tui bird, which is just a stunning looking bird. It's just beautiful plumage. Oh, anyway. So that's it for this week. Uh, I'll talk to you next week. Have a good one. Bye for now. <laughs>